1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you were saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. In the early morning when the tomb was sealed, Mary came with spices, all her hopes revealed. When the sun had risen, she could see her way. See the stone is gone, and hear the angel say, He has risen, he has risen, glorious hope. John and Peter entered in. How his heart was torn because he knew his sin. He could press ahead, he'd leave his past behind. Tell the world with boldness for salvation find. He has risen, he has risen. Freedom found from the dreams of Satan's prison. For he has risen, for he has risen. John would write the words we think and pen. Since the years have come and then they've gone their way, all the ages listen as the people say, He has risen, He has risen, Because every single Sunday, we do come together and we remember the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But now also Easter is a very important time because it's the, the same time of year that Jesus would have been actually raised from the dead. In fact, sometimes Easter actually falls on the exact time in which Jesus would have been raised up from the dead. 
But, you know, it's also very kind of neat to me. The fact that it's it happens in the springtime, whenever everything around us is starting to come back to life and we see everything kind of green up and, and the temperatures are getting warmer and, and things like that are, are starting to happen. Well, I can't help but also see that, that that is telling us and kind of pointing toward the fact that even Jesus himself uh, chose this time in order to be raised up from the dead. So this morning, what I want us to look at is the tomb of Jesus. And I want us, just like what we have been doing, kind of look at what the expectations were and what the reality was. So first, let's look at the expectations. Well, I, I want us to look at what, what Martha says here. Now, Jesus comes and he's talking with Martha. And keep in mind, this is the same chapter that Lazarus is raised up from the dead. Now, you know, they don't know that yet. That hasn't happened. But Jesus has this conversation as he goes to comfort Mary and Martha. And this is how it goes with Martha. John 11, verses 23 through 25. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Now this conversation goes on and, and a few uh, verses later, you find out that what Jesus meant was whenever he said, your brother will rise again, it meant that he's about to raise him from the dead. And he does in that chapter. But Martha tells us what the expectation was for the resurrection. She says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. That's what Jews were expecting. During this time in Jesus's day, they were expecting, just as we are you know, now, we're expecting all of the dead to be raised in the last day. That's what she was expecting. That's what we expect. Whenever you go to a tomb, you expect to find that person, the remains of that person. And whenever they came to the tomb of Jesus, that's what they were still expecting. Most people did not expect a resurrection to happen, you know, just for one person, kind of in the middle of history. They, they only expected it to happen at the end of history with all uh, the, the dead people um, raising from the dead at the same time. That's why the empty tomb is so interesting and so important uh, part of the gospel message with Jesus Christ. And Jesus says right here, even, you know, he's kind of hinting at, at what is going to happen to him. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. In fact, several times throughout each one of the Gospels, Jesus already gives his disciples a pretty plain look into the fact that he is going to be raised up from the dead. But they still didn't see it. They were still expecting to find a tomb with the remains of Jesus, just like you would find in any other tomb. Let's take a look at Mark chapter 16. And here in this chapter, uh, I, I might I remind you, this is after Jesus has already been crucified. This is after he's already been buried. And um, uh, nobody knows that he's already raised up from the dead. But they're going to the tomb at this time. They're, they're going to pay their respects and to take care of the body of Jesus. Their expectations were Jesus's body is going to be there. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. This is what we read. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. 
it makes sense that they would be alarmed. In fact, everything that we read about here, it does make perfect sense. Now, you know, if you're kind of like me, you might be wondering, uh, you know, why were they going to the tomb if they didn't even know how they were going to roll that stone away? If you remember that that stone was rolled in place because, interestingly enough, the religious leaders, they knew that Jesus claimed that he was going to rise up from the dead. So that's why they made sure that there was a stone that was rolled over the entrance so that that no one would be able to, to disturb the body of Jesus. So these women, they come and they're, they're asking themselves, you know, who's going to roll this stone away? And, you know, many times we might look at that and we might think, well, why are they even going on this trip if they don't even know how they're going to do what they're supposed to be doing? You know, if they, they want to anoint Jesus' body, but they don't know how they're going to do that. Well, let's also take a step back and let's remember that these are women who are grieving right now. Everything uh, that they've been kind of looking forward to and, and thinking about and, and trying to process with Jesus being the Messiah and going to change everything and bring salvation and the kingdom of God. Everything is different in their world. They're saddened and they're just trying to anoint Jesus' body. They're still trying to, to pay him his, his last respects and to, 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 take, to take care of him at this time. That's what they're trying to do. So, yeah, sometimes people don't always, you know, logically make sense of everything that they do. But these women are coming for a purpose. Their purpose was to anoint the body of Jesus. But whenever they get there to the tomb, they see that the stone has been rolled away. Well, they don't have to worry about that. But then they also find out that Jesus' body is not there anymore. There's a, a young man who we know to be an, an angel. He's dressed in this white and scares them you know they're they're alarmed that they're concerned about everything that's going on and rightfully so and if we keep reading this is what the angel says verses six through eight don't be alarmed he said you are looking for jesus the nazarene who was crucified he is risen he is not here see the place where they laid him but go tell his disciples and peter he is going ahead of you into galilee there you will see him just as he told you, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This message, the one that was proclaimed to them, that Jesus is not here. That's who they were looking for, who was crucified. But the angel says, he has risen. He's not here. Look at this place and, and see that he is not here. And they look and they see, or rather they don't see, the body of Jesus. And they're, they're given this task. They're supposed to go to the disciples and to tell them this news. But then we see in verse 8 kind of an interesting uh, reaction of them. It's probably a similar reaction that we would get if we had an experience like what these women had. They're afraid. They're terrified. They're just, they're, they're going on their journey. And I think it makes sense that, that what we find out is they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid think that what that means is they didn't say anyone to anyone they didn't say anything to anyone on the way to go tell the disciples and Peter now obviously they went and they told the disciples and Peter they told this message because the message was being proclaimed if they had never told anybody then even Mark wouldn't have been able to write his gospel would he so obviously this news it spread it spread like wildfire whenever people picked up on it and understood the the importance of what happened the tomb of Jesus, they expected to contain the body of Jesus. When they went there, the reality was 
He is risen. He is not here. Now, going back to this idea about being afraid, you know, sometimes it is okay for us to be somewhat afraid about things, especially whenever our world gets turned upside down, or at least on its side. But yet, what do we do after that moment? We see that these women, apparently, they went and they, they still did what they, they were uh, being asked to do. But you know, these women weren't the only ones who were afraid at this time. Even those, those 12, rather 11 at this time, disciples, the 12 apostles, they were also afraid. Let's switch on now to a different gospel. Let's look at John's gospel, and now let's follow up with these, these men and whenever they receive this message. In John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23, now they've already heard this news that Jesus was raised up from the dead, but this is what they do that night. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is, is what happens on that, that evening of that Sunday that Jesus raised up from the dead. He comes and he appears before these men. All of these grown men, they're sitting in this, this room with the doors locked because they're afraid of the Jewish leaders. Like I said, the women were not the only ones who were afraid. These men are also afraid. But you know what? It's not an obstacle for Jesus to come in to that locked, uh, that, that room that is locked up. He comes in in their midst because he has a message. What does that message consist of? Look at the last three verses. We see that that message is one of peace. That's what Jesus is telling them, that they need to have peace. They also are being sent right here. They're being commissioned. This is actually why we call them apostles. It means that one who is sent. And he says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. We also see what they're told in verse 22 is that they need to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to be a crucial part of their ministry. They have to embrace him and receive him. And then verse 23 Another crucial part of their message and the, the gospel message and their, their ministry is the forgiveness of sins. This is what they need to be about. They need to be about peace, about going out, being sent, receiving this Holy Spirit and proclaiming the forgiveness of sins. And, but let's keep reading, though, because right here we actually find out that one person was missing from their, their midst. So next week, what we see is. The same type of situation is happening. And notice, they seem to be still a little afraid. Uh, rightfully so. Their leader just got crucified. What do you think is going to happen to them? Well, what did they think was going to happen to them? John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples went into the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. 
Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now we see the same type of thing. There apparently still seems to be a bit of fear because they're still locking the doors. They're still meeting like this. Jesus once again comes into their midst and he's telling them once again to be at peace. Peace be with you. That's what he says in verse 26. He also has another message this time. He has one specifically aimed at Thomas because Thomas was, as we oftentimes call him, doubting Thomas. I don't know if that's completely fair because, yeah, okay, he, he had some doubt right here. I think that really what we see is that most of us do, you know, at first. Whenever we hear something that seems uh, so strange, so out of the ordinary, keep in mind the tomb of Jesus, the expectation was the body of Jesus was going to be there. The reality was he's risen. So this message that's aimed at Thomas in verse 27 is stop doubting and believe. We see that that's what, that's what we need to also be about as well. We need to be able to, to get rid of our doubts and to believe that Jesus has raised it from the dead. Because Jesus raised it from the dead, that, that changes things. That changes a lot of things for us even right here and right now. So now I just want to take just a couple minutes and I want us to look at, at what the empty tomb actually means for us today. Romans chapter 6 verses 4 through 5. The Apostle Paul, he's writing to, to Christians and he says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. You see what, what he's saying right here. He's saying to people who have been baptized that, look, whenever we are baptized, we are buried with him into his death. And also we're, we're raised up, you know, just like Christ was raised up from the dead. We too can rise up. We can have a new life. Now, he's kind of using this two different ways. One way is, of course, we can have a new life right here, right now in this life. But then also, we know that if we've been united with him in a death like his right here, right now, okay, in this life, uh, then we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that that tomb was found empty. It was found empty because Jesus raised it from the dead. We can have hope that we will also be raised up from the dead in a resurrection like his. Jesus was the first one to raise it from the dead. And that was also kind of a, a guarantee, a hope that we can rise up from the dead as well. That's why the Apostle Paul continues on and he says this in verses 8 through 11. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So in this passage, once again, we see the same things that, that Paul is, is stating that, look, we can have hope and we can know that since Christ was raised from the dead, that, that he has conquered death and he's going to conquer our death as well. He's going to rise us up from the dead. That's why he says, 
you know, that we need to, to count ourselves, to act as if we are dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Or as he says in another passage, in Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Notice that he says that you have been raised with Christ. It's not just something that's going to happen in the future. It's something that has come into this present world. Right here, right now, we can be assured that just as the tomb of Jesus, though it was expected to contain the body of Jesus, it was empty. It was empty because he raised up from the dead. And we have also been raised with Christ. And because of that, we've got to stop focusing so much on the right here, the right now, the things that are right, you know, in our midst and these things that are that are all just, just temporary here in this life. And we need to set our mind and our thoughts on things above not just on things of the earth. Let's make sure that we realize the reality that Jesus' tomb was found empty. He raised it from the dead. That changes not just his life, but each and every one of our lives. And through all of that, we see death is conquered. and We can have forgiveness of sins. How did it Sing to conquer the sea.